Stock, Collaborate and Listen brings you SME operation experts who live and breathe supply chain. In these trying times, collaboration is king if we are to survive and thrive. Tune in to your peers as we aim to unearth and share pearls of wisdom that have been forged from long careers and the latest struggles. Crafting a recession fit supply chain. Uh, it's fair to say that in these tough times, many businesses will be looking for their peer group and community for answers and advice. And as such, we've invited four experts from our partner community to help shoulder the load. With their combined experience and knowledge, we'll sweat out best practice and share some coping mechanisms to stand in good stead for the bumpy road ahead. Please welcome Fatima Salhab, Portfolio CFO, e-commerce sector leader from Flinder with a small F I've learnt in the last 24 hours on LinkedIn. Yeah. For those that don't know Flinder, they offer finance and data analytics solutions. Michael Von Yu, ex-operations manager from uh, a customer of ours, Edinburgh Tea and & Coffee, and now MD of Control Solutions, offering inventory financial and e-commerce solutions. Dave Pickburn, CEO and founder of Stream, logistics, vehicle and transport management software made easy. And last but not least, Dominic Sutton, co-founder from Stocktrim, all the way from Auckland, New Zealand, joining us this morning. Smart inventory forecasting software built for SME. Did I offend anyone there? Right. <laughs> yeah. A little intro to get us all, get us thinking, get us in the right mood. So during an economic recession, small businesses are often hit the hardest. Some industries are affected more than others, and typically luxury services suffer first as both business and private customers cut back on spending. Budget constraints, reduced spending power, inadequate preparedness for recession can make it difficult for SME to survive. In many cases, this causes companies without adequate support to be unable to continue operating. In other situations, however, as we know, SMEs show remarkable flexibility and find creative ways to survive a downturn. As SMEs were arguably able to weather a storm easier than the bigger players, agility is our trump card, and for it to flourish, there must be discipline and the fundamentals must be in place. So first question, hopefully it's gonna be a quick fire round, and in that, what I wanna do is get have everyone have a say you know, in a reasonably short amount of time to sort of introduce everyone. So um, the question is, some experts are advising businesses to expect the unexpected and, on, and adopt an entrepreneurial fighting spirit. With this in mind, what's the one thing that they should do differently? Um, and who should I pick on? Uh, Dom, as you've been up all day and you're sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Um, I mean, look, it's it's about cash flow, um, and it's uh, for product businesses about having the right product in the right place at the right time to meet what market demand is there. Great, short answer, Michael. Well, on the tail end of that is communication. Listen to everybody. Listen to your suppliers. Listen to your customers. You know, you don't know everything there is to know about that. If the market is telling you something, listen to the market. Great. Fatima. I think similar to you, Michael, I think it's founders tend to have a tendency, you know, brilliant people have done really well, got their business to where they've got it to, you know, they've got this vision, but you don't know what you don't know. So speak to people, network, you know, get feedback, be challenged as well. I think it's really important. Dave? Uh, for me, and I was, I was talking to a friend yesterday who uses Unleashed for a... Uh... <laughs> 
a vegan food production business. Nothing to no, called the vegan three. Nothing to do with uh, with, with with our business. But uh, for him, I think it's not just focusing on managing costs and, and, and looking inwards, but make sure you look outwards, keep selling, keep marketing, make sure you, you, you're kind of keeping the flow of, of, of customers coming in to ensure you kind of compensate some of the ones you're inevitably going to lose. Which is, which is actually a very brave thing to do, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If, if you can financially sustain that. Thank you. That was, I mean, you're all playing by the book and doing what I've asked. So you're very well behaved panellists. <laughs> that was great. Okay, moving on to a much more loose, um, longer uh, question. And feel free to spend as much time as you like on this one. So uh, now's the time to run a lean operation with laser focus um, on each sale, profit, cash flow. What advice do you have? And if we, if we come back to you, Dave. Um, go on. No. Um, yeah, I... I you, you're absolutely right. You've got to be. You've got to be lean. You can't afford to be uh, wasting money, wasting time. Um, you're going to have more things to deal with than you would normally have to deal with during, uh, you know, during the tight times. Um, yeah, and it, it, it is. It, it's keeping the keeping an eye on the on the cash flow, keeping an eye on the inventory. Make sure you've not got too much. Make sure you've not got too little. Make sure you can fulfil the orders that you are getting. And um, yeah, just just focus on making sure you you can deliver on what you're selling at, in a cost-effective way. Right, Fatima. Yeah, so I think it's more about your short-term planning and your long-term plan, right? Which also links into your cash flow. So you've got, you know, naturally business. I think as humans, as well as human as human beings, we tend to think about the imminent threat, right? Cash, you know, have I got any? Where is it? Do I have it to spend? Am I going to sell next week, next month, and so on? So it is natural to see a business think about their short-term cash position. You typically tend to see businesses, you know, working on a 90-day rolling cash flow. And that's something that they have in place immediately because they know, you know, or something similar, not, not you know, not excluding any others. But I think what tends to happen then is that the only time sometimes a business can then look long term is when it's needed or when it's necessary. So it could be where they need to raise a finance or where they want investment or where something triggers that thought process or they've got time to think. And that's sometimes something that they don't always have is that time to take a step back and go, actually, where am I going with this and what am I trying to achieve? Um, and I think also this, the idea of spending today to get your customer through the door today is is great but you really have to think about that long-term plan with that customer we all know that acquiring one customer is really expensive so how are you going to get the customer back you know how are you going to get that customer to return to you um and buy again um and, and that comes down to your stock planning as well so there's this sort of feeds back then into your stock so demand planning I think um, you just mentioned that, Dave, maybe. But yeah, yeah so demand plan, you know, have you got the right stock at the right place? Have you got, you know, is your, your products in the right place at the right time for your customer when they want it to be there? Um, and that does come down to knowing you need to know what you need to spend now to get that sale in six months time. And in six months time, when you want that sale, what do I need to buy in stock right now to have that stock available to my customer to sell? So it is just this massive cycle of, of, of just planning, plan, plan, plan. And to do that, I think you really have to have data. And, and for data, that, that comes down to having an inventory system as well. I mean, that's really key to that. If you don't have an inventory system, 
some it's not relevant you know not all businesses can have an inventory system it doesn't always work that way but by having that you are then able to plan that out and sort of foresee where you're going to be um in in three years time and so on so i think um yeah an example of that as well with the, with the pandemic you know businesses that maybe were more on top of their plan their longer plan and maybe more agile as well mm -hmm. were able to adapt and think right okay supply chain what am i going to do if I got all my eggs in one basket, am I only producing something in one place that can only get to me in one way? You know, I've got, you know, these businesses really did struggle, but those that had their, maybe their eggs in more baskets um, would thought ahead and and thought about what impacts could happen in the future to their businesses. And, and you know, that that's, you just got to really think ahead. That's what I've got. <laughs> yeah, really solid. Michael, I, I can see you nodding to, to, to what Fatima was saying. Do you want to pick up from that? I mean, I think it's it is very important to have the right data to go in it. And on top of that as well, we need to also make sure we take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah. And that as it might sound unpopular in economic times like this, <clears throat> it is an ideal time to re review all pricing and implement price increases if needed because this is a receptive market right now. They won't like it, nobody really likes it, but nobody's gonna fall out right now because everybody understands that there's mounting pressures. And there's this tendency of trying to, for a business owner to take all the pressure themselves and try to protect their customers because they feel they might lose somebody. And if you're not sure, I mean, if there's no point in keeping an un unprofitable customer, if there's no profit, there's no point in keeping that customer in line. So we need to be, you know, blunt and 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 have a, a good overview of the operation. And I think it's being honest with yourself, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. I just got to you that. I just think it's about being honest with yourself as well as a as a as a business and just saying, right, this isn't working or this is working, and knowing when to just you know drop and run. <laughs> you know, this we just stop and move on to something else and, and being realistic in your assumptions as well when you are planning ahead you know is this really going to happen the amount of times we see a business that thinks they're going to do all these wonderful things but the reality is that was never going to happen because you've not thought this through you know you, you really need to be honest yeah I mean not to jump too far ahead it's it goes back to with the honesty listening to the market and that can be as simple as looking at your inventory but like huh this line I thought that was going to be the game changer is not moving. It's not because the client's not well informed. It's most likely they don't want it. They don't see it the same way you do. And so that's what you need to also listen and put your ego aside. And let go. <laughs> Very difficult. Dom? Yeah, just uh, tie into that. I mean, I've, I've been in business for quite a few years now and I've been through a few cycles and, uh, you know, just, just to be a robust business owner, um, the, the key to deal with adversity and, you know, there's some scary headlines that will come up in the, in the short term um, is to deal with adversity is just to focus on the things that you can control and stop focusing on the things and worrying about the things you can't control. Um, I guess a little bit of stoic philosophy in there as well. Um, so, you know, just coming back to, to why we're here and unleashed and, and what we do, um, you know, you sort of got your hindsight with your, your accounting system, your, your insight with your inventory management mm -hmm. unleashed and, and we, and we jump into the mix just with the foresight. So, 
you can control some of this. Talking about some guys mentioned data. You've got data there in your business. It's just about using it in the correct way. And you can give yourself some certainty. Um, you can seek to control the uncertain um, without, and once you do, once you do look into this, it'll give you some confidence to make some clear decisions. And so that's what we do with Stockton. We just try to bring some um, planning into the into the equation and give you some some foresight that you can use to make some decisions. And once you start making decisions and set plans, you actually feel better as well. I want to come back to this topic when we move on to the second half. Um, but thank you all for those. Um, so it's, I'm going to, it's a it's a similar question, but it's worded slightly differently. See if it can throw up some examples and experiences that we're experiencing with our own clients right now. So as things slow down, where would you spend your time in the business? Um, what areas uh, would you address given the time to do so? So, I mean, we've already touched on this, but I'm thinking maybe customer services planning, uh, rationalizing skews, that kind of thing. Dom, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, okay. Um, so cash flow, profit, and um, time efficiency, um, really. I mean, I, I can't help but draw that back to what we do with Stockton. So that's some of the outcomes we deliver. So, you know, there's the cash flow equation. Um, you know, if you haven't, if you're not having buying stock that you don't need in the, in the, in the cycle, um, then, you know, do you really need to have that there? If you do want to buy extra stock because of inflation, then, you know, just you can quickly manipulate your buffer buffer levels. But there's also the share around making sure you've got enough stock to not to cause customer service issues. Like you said, it's expensive to, to acquire a customer. You don't want to burn them when they're at the checkout or, or making an order. So just making sure that you've... Um, got that and then is it just the efficiency like is everybody doing the right thing in the business um are they making the best use of their time because people are a huge resource uh from a expense point of view um automation can help but you know people are important then what make that what keeps the cu company culture um having the right people um in place you know your 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 stars and your pillars and your business um you know you need those people to keep things moving so but you want to make sure they're working on the right the right things at the right time. And um, I, I've seen businesses have got huge wastage um, in, the, in, in, in their costs around what their people are actually working on and um, repetitive tasks and things like that. So those are the those are the three key areas um, that I would focus on pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and, and and the great thing is our software helps with all those all those three. Without mentioning names, can you can you give us kind of any real real life examples of where you come in and and sort of perhaps um, examples of uh, businesses that are not operating in an optimal way and how you've transformed that? Yeah, we've seen businesses that are actually liquid, um, e-commerce businesses that are actually um, have got too much stock and they can't actually meet their dues because they haven't sold enough stock to um to make the payments so <laughs> well let's say they were an unleashed customer um and uh, they ran stockton uh, instantly we show them where all the sins are so we're all the we're all the we're all the bogeymen are hiding so um that, would, <laughs> that, gives, that gives a a very quick plan on on how to get get back to some level of of liquidity um and I mean, I can't really specifically name, but that was one business that I think that jumps to mind straight away. We, we could see that they were in some serious, 
some serious problems. I can personally talk about a toy business I owned, and this is why I started Stocktrum. Yeah, I, I, I had a I had a huge problem with um, I was vendor financing the stock, and unfortunately, I paid too much for the for the stock when I purchased it, and this is when I was a rookie. Um, and I had a huge problem because it was aged stock, and I couldn't sell it pretty much for what I bought it for. If I had have had a tool like Stockdrum, I would have quickly identified where the um, where the problem areas were, and I could have quick, much more quickly and efficiently dispatched that stock. Um, instead, I paid to store it. I moved it around. I tried to flog it here and there, and I had to keep buying new stock to actually keep up with client demands. So I was running a, a very poor cash flow. Uh, setup, which actually just about sent me broke, uh, as it turns out. So if I had a, had a tool like what we've got, I would have quickly. Well, if I had a, had it when I was doing doing my due diligence on the business, I probably wouldn't have bought the business in hindsight. But <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there's a whole new there's a whole new opportunity there, folks. Um, but yeah, so so but. I would have had a I would have had a roadmap very quickly on how to fix it, but I just had no visibility and I was a bit clueless and I was relying on my staff telling me, oh, we need to buy this because last year we bought this much and and um, this will sell out because it's coming up to the XYZ date. Um, it was a terrible like, way to run. Like finger in the air. Kind of... but, but bizarrely, bizarrely, a lot of SME businesses are still running their operations like this. And um, yeah. I was thinking yeah, what you're yeah. saying is so we should put a trigger warning up for some customers as, as you're talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them right now who are watching this, they've got a spreadsheet that they drop out, some sort of Taj Mahal spreadsheet that someone created a number of years ago. Maybe one person in the business still knows how to operate it, but that person may not always be with you or might go on holiday occasionally. And there's they're, they're making they're making formulas and, and by proxy errors on ordering, and it's it's not it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> and it's costing you, <laughs> Mr. SME business owner. So, um, yeah, maybe worth having a look at that too. Spreadsheet horrors. Who, anyone got any good examples of spreadsheet horrors? Oh, well, yeah. 90, well, ninety percent of uh, spreadsheets used for inventory planning have got errors in them. So, right. The other one that comes to mind at the moment was uh, they just opened a brand new hospital here in Edinburgh uh, yeah. last year, and one of the wings kept was closed for an extra year and a half because the drainage wasn't working and the entire drainage on that side of the hospital wasn't because of an Excel problem. The <laughs> architects had a problem in their formula on their spreadsheet that caused oh, wow. millions in damages. Yeah. So, wow. Wow. Yep, there you go. Thanks for reinforcing that point. <laughs> <laughs> we... Um... We go into so many businesses that are running their transport on spreadsheets. Um, the better ones are running them on Google Sheets, so at least multiple people can update them. But uh, we're still yeah, semi live <laughs> at least. Sorry, <laughs> trying to automate or we'll make it. Yeah, I think I think it's crazy how many people rely on spreadsheets still, and I think that's something that if you see a spreadsheet, you just you just feel I just feel like I'm. <laughs> Palpitation. So uh, yeah, it's just it's really hard to find out. <laughs> I mean, obviously at Flinder, we take on clients all the time. And when clients come to you and they're new and they come, and the reason they've come is because they want to sort themselves out, for example. You're part of that discovery session you have with them, you're talking to them and, and they explain their processes and you just want to cry. <laughs> you just think, are you seriously running this business? And some of these businesses can be quite large. You know, they're not, they're not little businesses or small businesses in a new year or two in. They, they've been running for five, seven years maybe. Sometimes you're baffled as to how they've managed it this far without knowing what they're doing. So, 
<laughs> so just going back to I'm just trying to we've gone off on a we've gone on a fantastic <laughs> having a physical response to a spreadsheet is the first time I've heard it put like that but I, I like I like it so it's anyone is anyone else um the original I'll go back to the original question which is obviously um there's a potentially a slowdown coming around the corner and um you know, our clients are going to be potentially having more time in the day. And I'm just wondering, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've got an hour in your day, what do you, what do you, what would you do, Fatima, I suppose, with that hour, you know, given the clients that you have, what would you be telling them to do with that hour? I would probably go back to the spreadsheet point, actually. Okay. And because I've tried to drag us away from that. take me away from it, but I just can't. I need to talk more, right? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's real-time data. You you if you are if you have time to think, I mean, whether or not the the, the you know the world's gonna slow down right now for all businesses is, is is subject to um view. But look at your business, look at what you've got, what is automated, what is not, where have you got a spreadsheet that really, you know, I always say to the team, we, we had, a, we had a, a lunch and learn not long ago, actually, and we were talking about um, processes and what, what are people's bugbears, and obviously mine was spreadsheets, <laughs> and it's, if, if you've got a spreadsheet in front of you, and you are following a process, and you're clicking next, 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 and you're, you're dumping data in, you're taking data out, and you're putting that data back into another system, and you haven't had to think about that process, but follow a process, a computer can do that, why are we using a spreadsheet? The only time you should have a spreadsheet is if there is actual judge, you know, a human, you know, you have to actually think about the output of that spreadsheet or what you're doing with that work. So if you're using spreadsheets, you know, it is very, it is very difficult. And the reason we, you know, we use them ourselves, you know, sometimes we look at ourselves and we're like, we're, we're talking about all this data driven dashboards we're creating for people, real time information, but we might be using spreadsheets for things. We're thinking, why are we doing that? We shouldn't be doing that. We're called, you know, we're talking about how we're not going to be doing that, but we're doing it ourselves. So, but it can be difficult to take a step back and have the time to go, right, okay, this spreadsheet, we need to find a process that's not going to involve this spreadsheet anymore. And that takes time, takes investment. But yeah. if you have time, that's when you spend, uh, that's where you spend doing it. And, and you can make informed, you know, you've got clean real-time data, automated, integrated the data is there and it's accurate and you can trust it and you can make informed decisions off the back of it. But if you're using information that's come from a pivot table that you don't know if someone's refreshed, do you know what you're doing? Maybe not. Loving it. Yeah, good. And and, and uh, yeah, and like, we're all guilty as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dave, do you want to pick up on like that's So, so um, you've got, you know, your clients got one hour back in the day. What are you going to, what are you going to recommend that they do? Um, if they can put that all together, make it a, a, a day of the week, whether that's a Monday or a Friday, and take that day a little bit outside the business. Um, you know, in, in <laughs> three or four years ago, I'd say, well, you know, work, work from home that day, but that's kind of not quite so relevant <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but try and take that day out of the business, and whether that's on your own as an individual, or better still as a team of, of, of a few people and get together and try and put a, a short you know, list of the things that you ought to be thinking about and spend some time on those things. The stuff that's, that, not the stuff that's firefighting, not the stuff that's super urgent. If you can get some time back, some quiet time, some proper concentration time, because you know when you're in the midst of running business, it, it, it's hard to, to step back. So try and take some time, half a day, a week, 
step back, think about some of the bigger things and what we're going to do about those, what we're going to do about the future, how are we going to fix some of the more fundamental problems in the business maybe, uh, how are we going to pick up that customer service element, how are we going to generate more cash, whatever it might be, how are we going to um, you, you know, bring some extra products to market, how are we going to get our pricing right. Just take some time out to think about some bigger things in a focused way, um, and it may be it's one topic a week or, you know, whatever it might be, but 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 try and take that out as a focus time rather yeah. than just losing it in the middle of your day or just getting to, you know, you, you've got an hour spare in that day. But if you've been rushing around all day, you're not going to have a, an awful lot of uh, mental energy left at that point in the day to really sit back and think about those things. So, so it's again about timing. Try and do it in the morning. You're, you're, you're best for most people. The best thinking time is the first two or three hours of the day before you've got your 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 mind filled with everything else that's going on um, and try and take that as a focus time to, to, to pick up on some of those things that you're you're not picking up on when you're, you're busy running around running the business. It's like it's like a toddler, isn't it? You know, <laughs> you, you'd never you, you'd never run a, a birthday party for a, for a four year old in the afternoon. It's just it's just not done. <laughs> but get them the best part of the day. Michael, um, could you can you talk about rationalising skews from your experience and that kind of thing? And that, that might not be your point. I'm forcing you to talk about something you might not want to talk I about. I wanted to talk about spreadsheets. Oh, you can. <laughs> Go for it. Can you please? Can you please? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it. it is important. As we've all mentioned in one form or another, it's important to listen to the market, to yeah. listen to the clients. And I think Dave had a good point, which is it's important to step away from firefighting. A lot of SMEs spend most of the time firefighting to the point that that becomes the norm. They think that that's how you run a business is by tackling problems and you don't have time to plan for the future. You don't have time to look forward. You don't have time to correct mistakes. And, and then and even, this, these even, are the types... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Even, even, I was just going to say, even tackling those problems just becomes the quick fix to those problems and not yeah. really the underlying. I mean, some of what I do is I come in and I fix data that has been historically put in wrong. And if you have, you know, if you have unleashed with wrong data, it's pointless. <laughs> all the tools in the world are not going to fix anything and make it a useful platform. It's garbage out, right? <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing is that when you, when you go from a spreadsheet onto Unleashed or any other platform and you don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, yeah. you're just going to copy paste. And that's just going to exacerbate all the problems. I mean, if it's not done, especially once you start using some of the more, let's call them higher level functions of Unleashed, like, and you want to go wild and incorporate in, uh, labor into it, it's it just, if you haven't done it right from the beginning, everything goes upside down and I equate it to uh, fighting with a sat nav. You know, yeah. it keeps wanting to tell you go one way. You're like, no, no, I know better to go this way. And then it, it recalculates and tries to adjust to your adjustments. And then it just ends up, you end up in a different country. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But this is, comes from this mentality of, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. It's not my priority right now. And if you don't have a solid base, a solid fundamentals, the rest is just, you know, 
busy time. It's yeah. difficult though. Like we're we're all you're, we're all I suppose in the business um, of encouraging our clients to stop, step back, come and talk to us about how things can be better going forward. But but it's very it's easier said than done, isn't oh, yeah. it? Oh, I mean, I I I immediately saw that when I went from running a business to consulting. Yeah. It's, you know, I love the outside in. It's a great point of view. I get to see everything that at the time, even, I mean, I look at what I used to do and I used to, you know, be a repeat offender in a lot of these things. And it, it's just the pressures of your day-to-day get to you. And it is, it is a challenge to reprioritize everything. And how did you do it at Edinburgh Chain Coffee? I mean, you said you're a repeat offender. Did obviously you learn something because you've become, you've gone on the dark side. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> like, for example, one of the things that we did realize is when we moved from Sage to Unleashed, and that was on the tail end of Brexit. Yeah, that uh, wow. <laughs> of the Brexit vote, not actually the last time the pound tanked. Because, <laughs> well, you shouldn't be laughing. Well, this is very irresponsible of all of us. But yeah, go on. Um, yeah, it's a coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. Coping mechanism, one hundred percent. We can either cry or laugh. So yeah, yeah. But one of the biggest issues we had was, uh, you know, our coffee's traded in dollars. So overnight, our raw goods doubled in cost. Our inventory didn't change value. I mean, that was the best part of Sage. It's just like, oh no, it's fine. It's all the same cost. So that that is that was the catalyst to moving things over. Right. And it was a great exercise to do because that brought up a lot of this uh, you know, the incorrect data up to the surface. So if you're conscious of it and you're looking for it, you do learn a lot and you get to see a lot of things that, especially historicals that you know, oh, it wasn't me. It was the guy that was here before me. No, no, it was the guy that was before before the guy. So it's you know, when you just start looking at all this, it yeah. gives you. It comes. It comes back to probably the the first point I made about talking and be challenged on what you're thinking and talk to people who have done what you're doing, or you know, particularly if you're a founder or you're you're a one man show where you've only got a few members of staff, for example, you're trying to get your head around things. Is talk to other people who have done the same thing or are further ahead in the in the journey because they will have made these mistakes. You don't need to make these mistakes. Um, you can learn from that. And you know the amount of businesses I've come across that calculating their skew, they don't calculate landed costs. They don't know what landed cost is. And, you, and, and when you say there's something called landed cost, they're like, oh, didn't know that was a thing. You thought, my God, you know, and it's, it's, it's scary because you feel sorry for them because you don't know what you don't know, back to that point. So we've, we've talked about back to basics, what you would do with, with, with the slowdown and, and how you would capitalize on that. But obviously, like I said at the top of the call, um, you know, recessions are not all doom and gloom. And like we, we've all lived through very recently, when when things change dramatically, we need to step up and and think differently. Um, so many of the world's greatest companies were built during recessionary times. Some experts say that economic downturns can present solid opportunities for growing businesses, whilst others are retreating. Arguably, scaling during a market downturn could mean your modest SME becomes the next household name. Your competitors could be pulling back, spending less money on marketing, advertising. Some perhaps have even started laying off employees. Others are content to sit tight and hope for the best. All these elements make it easier for you to gain market share. Just going around the floor, you know, where do you, like in the next 18 months, where do you see the opportunity? If we start with Michael. Well, I think at the moment it, it's export. Uh, I mean, we still have 
a very, very strong brand as anything made in the UK. It's great demand abroad. And the fact that everything's a lot cheaper for them right now, it should, I, I would recommend just, if you have anything you export, double down on it and reach out to your customers. They'll be aware that to them, it's a savings. And that just can, you know, help you grow your market abroad at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, good answer. And I suppose, Fatima, you would agree with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. I think um, particularly businesses that already sell, let's say to the US, um, you know, you may not always, it's not always going to be a, a saving to the US customer. It depends on how you've managed that, I suppose. So you're going to have some businesses, I think um, certain systems you might use, let's not go into detail which ones, but you can, your, your selling price to your US customer on your US site can fluctuate with the exchange, right? Um, but you also have the option, which I'm seeing more and more of businesses saying, right, on our US site, we're going to times our UK selling price by what we think worst case scenario could be with the 10% buffer, let's stick that price up and leave it there, which then means as well that if if the pound works in your favor in that scenario, um, you know, the, the, the US customer is still paying the same price, but you're taking more cash, right? So it's kind of, is, is looking at your Forex exposure and thinking about where you sit in that. It's, it, it is really important. I've seen as well, bizarrely some businesses because you a lot of a lot of e-commerce because obviously e-commerce is where I sort of sit more but e-commerce businesses tend to sell internationally right um where you're selling in the U.S. is quite I'm quite often seeing this and I find it really bizarre that you have U.S. sales coming to your U.S. the account being transferred into your GBP bank account and then you're paying your U.S. suppliers with with it just you just think what are you doing what are you doing and that's one of those things where you just need to take a step back now the setup was probably there because back when you set up the business or when you started up the figures were immaterial it didn't matter Shopify forces you to stick it into a GBP account let's just carry on with that you know whatever but as you scale you need to take a step back and look at where your money is flowing and actually are you are you paying for something you don't need to be paying for um you know if you've got U.S. customers paying in U.S. dollars and you have U.S. payments to make out, why are we not keeping those dollars in dollars? It's a simple thing like that. Some people are not doing that. So just doing something very straightforward like that can make a massive difference. And then secondly, where you have U.S. sales coming in and GBP sales coming in, let's say, you may need to, and you are paying, you're using your dollars to pay off your dollars. Are you, where, where are you topping up? Which way do you need to top up and how often? And actually then planning how you're going to hedge that risk buying in the dollar when you want, when it's, when it's good, you know, it is, it's, it's a, no one's got a crystal ball, right? We don't know when is the right time to do what, but partnering up maybe with people who can help with that. If it's, if it's large volume is also something, but there's, there's so much money wasted, I think in mm. Forex in this area. Right. Really it's, insightful. I think it's an area as well that people don't understand enough. And it, it's very, it is very confusing. It's, you know, it's a complex area and you just think it's, it's yeah. So it is understandable that it is confusing for everyone. Yeah, yeah, good insight. Dom, um, making the most of the economic downturn, anything that jumps to mind? Yeah, um, I'm going to roll out two cliches. So be brave. <laughs> when, we be brave when others are fearful and hope is not a strategy. So, I mean, coming back to what we do, I mean, we help, we help small businesses, small, medium businesses um, see ahead of time what, this, what their inventory needs are going to be. Um, and so, look, just just have a look at the, have a look at the data. And look, inflation it's 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 there and it's real and it's possibly getting worse. Um, 
the you know is there certain certain products that you you need to buy extra of um now and and they'll just grow in value as they yes i mean it seems counterproductive to what we do because we're all about inventory optimization but is there a, is there a chance to use a tool a forecasting and planning tool to um decide to buy actually potentially more of certain things um depending on where they are and how much they cost in, in usd versus gbp so um can you use some of your space to hedge against inflation? Yeah, good challenge. And it comes back to having the data there to know that. Yeah, well. exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all massive advocates of data. Like everyone in the room, like we could be, we could be a stuck, we could be a stuck record, couldn't we, Dave? Absolutely. <laughs> huge fan of data. <laughs> working out how to get the data out of our systems into a format where everyone can then start to make use of it. It's another aha moment, actually, sometimes when people see that. Um, um, but yeah, that was a different question. Uh, you know, in terms of how to succeed in a recession, uh, uh, where are the opportunities? Yeah, think, where's the opportunity? I think part of it is trying to be unique. Yeah. So if you're selling exactly the same thing as everyone else in a similar way at a similar price, it's tough. Try and find something that's unique. Try and make, try and be different. Uh, I think that's one element. I think also look for new opportunities and new markets. I, it, it's not the recession, but during during the, the the COVID period, we deal with quite a few food and bev type companies, uh, and, and and many of them were focused on delivering to pubs and restaurants and so on, and suddenly pivoted and went, okay, that's not happening because they're not open how can we open that up? And they, they went to the, the, the retail market, home deliveries, that kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, many of them very successfully. Some of them have reverted and stopped doing that. Many of them have continued to do that. And it's kind of like, how can you kind of add something to your existing business? So that even if your existing business shrinks a bit, you're adding something new that more than compensates for that, but still keeping within your, 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 your core business area. There, there might be different things. But then it, it's, you know, the other aspect is to maximize your tools. Because as one of the things Dave was saying is what the aha moment is, the communication with the customer. The end user gets, gets the information they need without having to go through customer service. And that's, you know, with a lot of my clients, what we do is we use the B2B system for that. And I always advise if with Unleashed, when you're setting up B2B, put your most challenging customers on there first because you can guide the experience much, much faster, cleaner, more efficiently, because you can put the information you need them to have right there in front of them. And they, you take away their, their gripes because they've seen it. They can't say, oh, nobody told you about it. So, you know, if you say this product that you buy is out of stock for the next three days, but it'll come to you then, and you click buy anyway, you know that, they know that, everybody's happy. So as long as you have, Clear communication is one of your most powerful tools to yeah. minimize work because then that also reduces the amount of complaints you get and the amount of times that the customer needs hand holding. And sometimes they just prefer to get on with it. Yeah, it also improves cash flow at the same yeah. time. <laughs> they pay their yeah. bills if they're happy. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating 
like strategy to to, to you know go for the go for feed the angry dog first, you know, like and but it pays off ultimately. Well, if if you've got it right and you've put the system, if the data in the system's correct and you've set it up. <laughs> okay, final question. We're sort of shifting into Fatima comfy space now. Final question, and then I'll let you all get on with your Fridays or get back to not working on a Friday, which is which is what where we really want to be. <laughs> um, um, so D2C as a selling strategy could again be on the rise as businesses look to safeguard more margin and cut out the middleman, middlewoman. What advice can we offer those braving that route? So I, I wanted to talk a tiny bit about D2C. Um, it's, it's not it's not where all of our customers are at, but we've seen it happen during COVID. And we, again, talking to um, some colleagues here, we think that, you know, as, as margins become eroded, it might be something that is, again, strong. Um, so who wants to pick up on this one? I'll, I'll have a go. <laughs> so um, I think there's sometimes a misconception that selling D2C is, is an easier it's a great margin it must be the best option for your business and well no <laughs> you know whole, there's nothing wrong with wholesale you know a lot of businesses specialize in just working wholesale because it can be more straightforward to actually operate that way mm. when you're dealing with customers you're dealing with people individual people people are a pain to work <laughs> people are difficult we are we are very difficult we are a very difficult species right so you have to you know, you've got to get, <laughs> you've got to get inside your customer's head. You've got to know what your customer is going to do next. You've got to know all of these things about your customer. And that comes back to data. You know, how are you going to track that, that customer journey and what they're doing and where they're clicking and what they're seeing and what they're interested in and how are you going to find your customer? That is, it is very difficult to find your actual customer. Um, so a lot of market research and things like that are, is involved in trying to just determine where, where to go to get your, your sale, right? But once you've got your sale, it's then, okay, you've got your sale. There are so many issues when you're selling to a consumer. They're going to return stuff to you. You've got shipping costs, you know, parcel by parcel. You've got discounts you need to you, you to use to entice them in and, and get them to, to maybe come and, and buy from you. So lots of things to be thinking about. And unit economics is probably the one thing that I would keep banging on about as well. Is you, mm -hmm. It is so important to know what that is and, and how to calculate it and what what it means for you and what you're going to do with the data you you achieve from, from from working this out so you know you you need to it, it comes back to your customer who is your customer how are you going to get them what is the cost to then acquire them and then how are you going to retain them um and and that is what it comes down to and then and then and another thing we do um quite often and when when you take on an e-commerce business as a client it's quite normal to find that a business go you know you'll you look at their um profit and loss and you'll say right sales less expenses is great you know, less my cost of sale loosely is gross profit and then I've got opex and I'm done and I say to businesses well how do you know what that sales made up of what do you you haven't actually broken this down you know segment your data a little bit you know if you've got an online store and a shop your sales you want that split you want online and retail separate on your PL. you want to be able to see at a glance how much you've sold in each each channel each region whatever is is important to you you know segment that data out don't net off any costs then as well or any deductions, you know, your discounts, your returns, so on and so forth, because you want to be able to see what's driving that sale, that sales figure. You know, if you're on a monthly recurring, I don't know, over hundred grand a month, for example, and, and suddenly it fluctuates, you want to see what drove that change. 
Um, and you yeah. also want to identify then whether there's something wrong. You know, you've got discounts through the roof, but actually you haven't got a discount out at the moment. You didn't do a sale. What's going on? You know, you can see you've got some dodgy code that's been shared with half the population. You need to get rid of it. So it kind of it all flags <laughs> you that you didn't. And that's happened before, you know, where <laughs> a discount code has been shared and they've not removed it and forgotten about it because they went viral. <laughs> it went viral and the discount code was not the discount line of that profit and loss was not being captured quite separately. They just thought sales were down and couldn't wow. understand why. So when you start picking apart the data and, and separating it out, so it's so important to get your data in the right Data, data. Data, data, data. Data, data, <laughs> And no, stop no. using spreadsheets. <laughs> we've got, we've no. got three minutes and I'm torn no. to who to go to next, but I want to go to Dave, I think, because Dave, Dave, you obviously you're in the D2C space a lot. Can any good customer examples share with us? But I mean, I think I think the the uh, the big ones were during lockdown, where where companies that were traditionally B two B or or D two B suddenly when that that market's disappeared, let's go direct to consumer, um, and 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 you know they they started selling whether it was fish or whether it was you know Italian wholesale food or. Uh, Japanese food or whatever it might be, direct to consumer. And, 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 but what they did at the same time was they improved their, their model. So suddenly, and, and, and this is what we see a lot, that, that actually the consumers are often used to a better, a better service than businesses. But that's got to change. So it's kind of there's something to be learned in the other direction as well. Yeah. With if you've got to deal with consumers, you learn how to deal at that, that individual level. You learn how to deal with a bigger volume of customers and a better quality of service. Bring that back to your businesses, your bigger customers, and there's something to be learned and something to be gained. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a, a two-way street. Two way street. The good thing. There's a funny guy I follow on LinkedIn who does kind of, um, I can't remember his name, but he does piss takes of B2B marketing and stuff and oh, yeah I think I've seen him <laughs> yeah he's got glasses he's quite cute in a kind of geeky kind of way and uh yeah Asda, wasn't he the other day yeah yeah he's very very funny about you know how just b2b is this poor cousin all the time um right I, we are one minute to go does anybody want to also add to the d2c advice I'll, I'll jump in there just quickly yeah. I mean yeah. coming back to what we do with stock forecasting um just make sure you've got you're not running out of stock. Nothing's worse than um, going D to C. And the end consumer is very unforgiving and they got access to social media. So they become outraged because of some small thing. About it. And they will tell everybody how outraged they are. So just have, make sure you've got your stock under control before you go selling. It's just a, absolutely right. Um, I, I've, personally been involved with going to D2C and always been a B2B business. It's horrifying. It's horrifying because that person is unfair often. They don't have a reputation to protect. B2B, they're interested in an ongoing relationship. Yeah, mutual, mutual respect. They're yeah. quite happy just to dump on you, throw the mic down and, and walk with <laughs> the whole world burning behind them. And you're and you're caught up in this. Just be careful, that's all. I was going to say, I've never done that ever. I would never have just gone on social media <laughs> and dropped the mic and walk. <laughs> you know what you're talking about, Dominic? <laughs> um, final word, Michael? No, I say it's it just the only word of advice there would be B2B and D2C. A hybrid model is very challenging because if you have 
wholesale customers and you're going directly to the consumer, you cannot be the cheapest. You have to be the most expensive. You have to sell at your recommended sales price. Yeah. So you have to make peace that you will be undersold by your own customers because yeah. nobody's going to want to buy from you if you are underselling them. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's always a, a big challenge and, and a lot of people don't like it. But, you know, why would I buy your product to resell if you're going to sell it cheaper than I can? So it, it is. Yeah. Uh, so what do you do to combat that? There's, there's the service wrap and everything else. And I, I say my rule of thumb is always if you are B2B focused and you open a direct offering, you're going to need to be the recommended retail price. So your margins will be much better, but be aware you'll be undersold by your clients, which ultimately it depends where you want to land yourself. If you see yourself long-term B2B or D2C, because they're effectively different operations. But you could potentially um, start, um, um, you know, like marketing your sustainability creds and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, like people are looking for halo sustainability creds at the moment. Like I could buy it from you or I can buy it from you who, who are who's net positive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I mean, do you still want to take business from your own clients? That's at the end of the day is you have to make yeah. a firm choice. Who is your preferred client? Yeah, yeah good job. To your distributors or do you want to go in and again it's who's the one that's going to do the the big push to get the end user are you going to invest your own business to start shifting into going to a retail operation or are you going to use you know capitalize your distributors to do that for you and then all you have to do is you know build your brand so it it, it is not as simple as hey i'm going to put a shopify store in you know yeah some stuff out there <laughs> Good value, Michael. Listen, I'm three minutes over. I did promise I'd finish on time. So much for promises. Wouldn't trust me. Um, thank you all. I, I knew it was going to be a really enlightening and fun chat, and it has been. Um, I hope you guys have found the same, looking at nods, maybe. <laughs> Pretty good for a Friday night. In the yeah. <laughs> you deserve a beer, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry dom i'll um what do you what do you drink or do you not drink is it fully kombucha uh, yeah, i've got one lined up here okay <laughs> he's ready I'll, I'll get the new zealand team to send something your way honey i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, thank, thank you thanks ever so much it's lovely to meet you all have a really good day and weekend you too thank thanks you. all bye-bye bye-bye now This podcast is produced by Unleash Software. We're part of the Access Group and provide transformative inventory management cloud software to thousands of businesses worldwide. Mm-hmm.